This is the Clonmel Podcast with Mark Whelan. Hello, it's Mark here, and welcome to the new streamlined Clonmel Podcast for this Friday, the 16th of February, and we're on episode 166. Now, before I start, can I give a big shout out to Jack Kenny, who I met at the Rehab Care Centre during the week at Hughes Mill. Jack, by the way, is hoping to start a podcast very soon, aren't you, Jack? And we can't wait. Also, a big hi to Kira and also Claire. Lovely to meet you all. So, how was your week? Hope it went well. I see the weather got a lot milder this week. All jokes aside, some people in town even looking for barbecues. There was also racing at Powerstown Park on Thursday. Did you have a flutter on the old GGs and how did that go for you? We also had Pancake Tuesday, Valentine's Day and Ash Wednesday all in one week. That was a lot to take in. And did you give anything up for Lynn? Me? Donuts. Love a donut. In fact, MLS donuts at the Showground Shopping Centre are fabulous. But the nicest donut I ever had was at Tremor many years ago when that little old lady was in charge at the donut bar there, you know, across from the amusements. Hot donuts. Oh my God, they were amazing. But that's what I've given up for Lynn. There was more roadworks around Clonmel too this week. I don't know about you, but I got stuck at the roundabout there near Pollard Sawmills for quite a time. Also this week, we found out that in its eight weeks of service, nearly 24,000 people have used the new town bus service, which is amazing. Work also continued on the Clonmel Arms this week. And Concert, based here in town, were presented with a cheque for over €1,000 from the Burncourt Drama Group during the week. Well done. So, what is coming up this week on the Clonmel Podcast? Well, it's our Clonmel's Wild Geese feature, and I chat to Andrew Whelan on growing up in town, moving to Scotland, but also being a member of the legendary band Boomerang Staircase. That's on the way. The Clonmel Podcast. But first, twin boys Tyke and Oshin Relahan were born with a rare muscular condition, and I spoke to their father, Danny. So, Danny, I know it's a difficult time right now for yourself and Nicola. If you don't mind, would you mind please telling us about Oshin and Tyg? So, Tyg and Oshin were born on the 20th of July. Um, we were scheduled for, emerg- or for a C-section on the 21st of July of 2023. Um, but, yeah, after our final scan in Cork on the 20th of July, Nicola's waters broke Um yeah, so we were back on the road down to Cork on the 20th of July. And, yeah, we had an emergency C-section that night. Um, I suppose it was, a, it was a very exciting time at that stage. Um, when we when we got there, everything was going so smoothly. Everything was completely fine. And then on, when Nicola was just about to, like, she was, she had the epidural, and uh, she was in the in the theatre uh, for this emergency C-section. I see Nicola lying on the... Like, I was actually waiting outside for a while uh, while they were getting everything ready, getting Nicola all set up. Um, it was about quarter to ten. I went in, and that's when it all started kicking off. Um, the first twin, Tyke, was born at 21.56, and Oshin then was born at 21.58. Um, at that moment in time, that's when things kind of got a bit scary for both of us. Uh, we were behind the curtain waiting for to hear the baby's cry. I was looking at my watch and before I knew it, it was 20 past 10. Nothing was happening. That's when I was starting to get worried. Mm. Um, 
So we're, we're like I just kept looking, trying to look and see what was going on. There were so many nurses around Tiger Nasheen at the time and doctors. And then they just turned around to us and said that we're take, they have to go straight to the ICU, um, that they need a bit of care to see what's going on and to try and get the breathing on their own. We knew nothing about it till the next day. Um, then we were told that there was that there was something wrong with their muscle movement as well, that they're not moving as normal babies are. And there was a lot of unknowns at that stage. So a week later, they sent off uh, tests to Germany, uh, genetic tests. They took about eight weeks to get back. And then that's when our worlds just caved in. We seen something in black and white called myotubular myopathy. Never heard of it, don't even know how to spell it. Very it was just a very rare condition. Mm. I even asked a consultant who has been in the hospital for nearly decades, have you ever dealt with a case like this before? And he said, this is his first one. There's very, uh, in the hospital in Cork, there's not many people that actually have seen this condition or even know about it. There's not, 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 not many people around the country actually even know mm. how to even deal with this. Um, we have been in contact with other families in the US and in the UK and we've got advice from them and like technically we're telling the consultants what they're telling you yeah yeah so that's pretty much where we're at um but I suppose I'll tell you a bit about my tubal myopathy of what I understand and what I know so far so myotubular myopathy is, uh, is um, a condition um, that is very rare. There's one in 50,000 boys born with this condition worldwide. And there's a high mortality rate in infants. Um, they won't be able to walk. There's no cure for this condition. Um, they need respiratory support. Um, whether that's ventilating or non-invasive ventilation, uh, which is basically BiPAP or CPAP. Um, and yeah, they need a lot of physiotherapies. They need occupational therapies. They, we pretty much have to do everything that, that a normal person can do, like sitting down, standing up. Mm. Well, even though they won't be able to stand up, but like sitting down, um, like they're... Tiger and Oshin are basically lying down on the beds all day. So we try to take them out for cuddles. Um, we get them sitting in pee pods or um, bouncers or something like mm. that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's something that, you know, it's kind of hard to deal with. They need a lot of care and support 24 hours a day, basically. Um, yeah, they can't feed on their own. Their stomach doesn't move the way our stomachs would. They have to be fed through NJ, uh, which is a tube going into the nose okay. and then down into the stomach, bypassing the stomach right. into the, the gut, basically. Mm. Um, now we have been transit. We have been working on transitioning them from NJ, NJ to NG, which is nasal gastro, gastro, which is tube going into the stomach. But it's, it, it's been successful so far, two weeks. Yeah, two weeks has been successful for Oshin, but for Tyg, he's not really taken to it at the moment. Okay. So um, they're just going to continue going slow and help improve it week on week. 
Where are the twins at the moment? So the twins are in Cork University Hospital. So um, because it was twins, when we found out on our 12-week scan, um, they said that our our care going forward will be in Cork because it's it, like, if God forbid, if something went wrong, at least there's an intensive care unit there that uh, will be able to, you know, deal with, you know, whatever issues or if there's any at all. So I think in a way we're kind of lucky that we were in Cork because even if we were here in Tip and I suppose I know we're very close to the hospital mm-hmm. here, but as our consultant even said from day one, if it was in, in Tip, we would have been heading straight back down to Cork that day anyway, regardless. Um, there does any kind of intensive care support as needed. You have babies going from, you know, like Clamel or mm. Waterford or something like that. If because the intensive care unit in Cork is quite big. Um, so yeah. So there's a GoFundMe page, I believe, being set up, and the response has been amazing, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been absolutely fantastic. Um, like I suppose when we set it up originally, we were kind of thinking. Like, I suppose at that time, we kind of had an idea, right, things are starting to move at the hospital. We're starting to, there's talks about going home, which is what we've been longing for for so long, for the past nearly six and a half months. Um, Our lives have been a bit upset at the moment because we're in Cork 99% of the time. I only get home once a week uh, just to see our dogs and I'm gone first thing in the morning. Um, And then, yeah, the boys are coming, uh, like, the boys will be eventually coming home. So we were kind of looking at the bank accounts and saying, right, how are we going to afford to get all the new stuff? Because, like, I suppose when the twins were born, uh, or before the twins were born, we were kind of getting ahead of the game a little bit. We had all the stuff bought for them. Um, we had, you name it, like car seats. Everything was all prepared yeah, and planned. Yeah. We even had a wedding paid for, which we had to cancel. It was supposed to be for June of this year, but we had to cancel that. Um, so yeah, we've been like for the past six months, we're not working and it's a case that, um, yeah, our savings are running out and we're like, how are we going to get the boys home? Like with the modifications that we're going to need to do to our home, uh, the therapies that will eventually be put in place when we come home, um, disability care, things like that. So it's, you know, like we said, look, we're going to need some help somewhere because we won't even be able to get a loan because we don't have pay slips to prove right, yeah. over the last six months, etc. So, yeah, it's kind of a, we, de- we decided, look, we set up a GoFundMe. Um, we didn't really agree in a target. We just said, yeah. look, we'll put 20,000 in and see, you know, even though we probably won't reach it. But I suppose the first 24 hours, I, I, like, I was like, wow. Mm. you know it was just it took off and we've had people reaching out saying that they want to be a part of our committee to fundraise um and we've had loads of people being very generous uh people have you know reached out um you know for assistance i suppose like telling us if that they have a child that has the same condition or not the same condition but similar conditions Mm. Uh, telling us what we should have, what we shouldn't have, things like that. So it's kind of given us a bit of an eye-opener of what other people have gone through and what we're actually experiencing as well and what we can prepare for. Um, 
Yeah, and I, I suppose that's why we set up the GoFundMe because we want to. We want the boys home, and we want to. Like I suppose, look, there's as I said, there's a high mortality rate in infants, and we just want to make a good quality of life for them when they come home. You know, to have those magical memories. Of course. And if people do want to donate to the GoFundMe page, how would they find it? So they could type in uh, support twins Tycho Sheen on GoFundMe, or they could either reach out uh, to uh, Danny Rallahan or, or, sorry, Dan Rallahan or Nicola Rallahan on Facebook, um, Instagram, etc. And we could send you a link. We have our links anyway on our, our social media pages. Um, there is a few posters around the town as well. Um, in a few, a few of the businesses as well so there's a QR code as well that can be scanned um, can I just add one more thing as well um, the other reason that we are reaching out on social media um, it's not just for the donations really Like even though the donations are welcome and we really appreciate everything that people have done so for us so far and words can't describe how thankful we are and grateful um, but I suppose the other piece as well is that we want to create awareness that there's this condition exists and it's very rare, not very common. And, you know, it's just if someone in later years finds themselves in a situation we are, we're here for support because we know what you'd be going through. Danny, thank you. Thank you. The Club Mail Podcast. Thank you again, Danny. Now, over the last couple of weeks, I did a bit of research and I asked people, when listening to the Clonmel podcast, do you go straight to the big interview or do you listen to the whole thing? The majority of you said, yeah, we go straight to the interview. That's okay. So now the middle bit, I've decided, has been dropped. However, if you do have an event coming up you'd like me to promote on the podcast, I'll be delighted to come along and cover it and have a chat with you. And I'll have all the contact details for you at the end of the podcast. Right now, though, it's time for our Clonmel's Wild Geese feature. And I caught up with Andrew Whelan for a chat. Clonmel's Wild Geese. Andrew Whelan, cuz, welcome to the Clonmel podcast. Thank you for having me, Mark. Now, you're part of the Clonmel's Wild Geese feature. You're based in, am I right in saying, Dundee in Scotland. How long have you been out there? Uh, the bones of nine and a bit years. I was down in London for a wee little stint, but wow. um, I, I was meant to be in Edinburgh. That's where I was meant to move to. Yeah. But with the job opportunity, it came up in Dundee, so I went for it, and here I am. And, I mean, Scotland's very like Ireland, Ireland, isn't it? As well. It is. It is very like Ireland. Um, it's very green. Um, the one thing that is not like Ireland is the accent in Dundee. It's quite a unique accent. Right. Um, really, really difficult to understand. Really? Um, we're basically, yeah. <laughs> well, able to understand it now, but um, where it stemmed from was uh, the jute mills. And there's a place actually in uh, Dundee and it's called Little Tipperary. Go away. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and basically what it was, was a lot of Irish folk um, from Tipperary moved over here. And a lot of them manned the jute mills. But it was very noisy in the jute mills. Um, so when, let's say when, uh, of a day, let's say on a Friday, and a couple of people wanted to say to their bodies across the way, 
um, listen, we want to be going out for a pint or do you want to go for a meal or whatever the case may be. And it would be short, really shortened words, like, as you probably know, uh, yes means Ken. So they have to shout Ken, and that will cut through all the noise on the other side of the factory, whatever the case may be. And that's basically where the, the Dundee kind of dialect well, I, I emanated did, from, yeah. as such. I didn't know that about Ken. I thought you were talking about Ken and Barbie and that film. That was, well, <laughs> I, it's, it's when, it was when I came over here, I said, who the hell is Ken? You know, what? You know, but uh, yeah, yeah. Oh. So yeah, and it, it is really, really difficult to understand. But when I came over here and I started work over here, nobody could understand me. Right, okay. Really? Because, yes, because I spoke so fast. Right. It's like a lot, all Klamath people, we speak so fast. Mm. But when you come over here, I literally, I struggled. I struggled to kind of take the speed down. But I did. I got there in the end. You speak very well, Thank Andrew. You. you really do. Um, can I ask as well what you're doing in, in Scotland, in Dundee? Um, basically, I started off uh, in the care sector mm. as a carer for a number of years. And a position came up um, to go for a housing officer. And in doing so, I had to go back to college. And I won't lie to you, I was what? I was 44 then, 45. And it was quite a struggle to get your head back in the books. It must be, so yeah. To speak. Um, I got there, got there in the end. So yeah, um, did my, went to college, blah, blah, blah. So I've been working as a housing officer for the last, what, seven odd years. So and, yeah, love it. Absolutely and, love it. And you mentioned that you went to London first. What, what brought you there? Um, work, mostly yeah. work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there was nothing happening. And I applied all over the place, right, right up the length and breadth of the UK. So I sent out my CV. Um, and it was in Scotland that got back to me, basically. So that's the reason why I'm here. Okay. Now, mm. can we talk music? Oh, God, do we have to? Well, I think we do because you were in a well-established Clonmel band years ago called Boomerang Staircase. Am I right? <laughs> you are 100% correct, yes. I, I'm, I've yet to have anyone on the podcast to talk about Boomerang Staircase, and I would love you to do so. First of all, how did the band get formed, and also who is in the band? Right, I'll give you a synopsis of my musical career as such. Yeah. So I started off, first band, uh, we were called Absent Without Leave. Okay. Um, and that was with um, Sean Doyle, God rest his soul, um, Eugene Ryan, Anthony Johnson, and Ben Dunn, young Ben Dunn. And uh, oh, a funny story. So we used to practice up in um, all the boys that basically came from Bankney Drive. Mm. So I spent a, a lot of my years at Bankney Drive. And um, on a Saturday morning, or was it Sunday? I can't even remember, Marcus, so long ago. Um, there was this banging and clattering of shopping trolleys. I would have, uh, no, Anthony would have his uh, drum kit in the trolley. I would have my big, massive uh, Laney amp because I played bass at that time. And he used to weigh a ton. And we're clattering and banging up to the um, Ellen Park um What's it called? The, the, the hall up in Ellen Park. I forget the name of that. And we used to practice there. And it was a big, big hall. 
and if you heard heard of Mark, honestly, the the sound was bouncing all over the place. It was, you know, nobody could hear what they were doing. You know, it was <laughs> totally ridiculous. But we loved it. We had we had a great fun. Yeah. After that, then we we used to practice down in Ben Dunn's. Oh yeah. On the Davis Road. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the, the basically the the band kind of fizzled. I won't say fizzled out, but kind of fizzled out. Um, because John, he moved over to London. I think he was working. He was working in was it John Lewis or somewhere or Boots or somewhere like that. I think he was. So that kind of we tried to keep on going without John. But to be fair to John, he was the he was the main man as such. You know, bless him. So um, that kind of went on the side. Then um, I used to go to a lot of gigs at the time, and there was a band around called Home Before Ten. And they, I saw them in, I'm not sure if you, you're aware of Bankley Rock. I've heard of Bankley Rock, I have indeed. Yeah. <clears throat> so I went over there, saw them there, and I said, my God, they sound brilliant. You know, sound really, really good. Um, and that was basically, who's in that now? There was Mary Roach, Sinead Condon, uh, Benny Callan, yeah? Morris O'Sullivan. I think Noel McCarthy was in it as well. And um, I think that was, a, oh, Kieran Judge. Kieran Judge was a singer as well. And when I saw them, I said, my God, I love what they're doing. Because it was quite atmospheric kind of stuff, like Pink Floyd-y, yeah. you know, um, that kind of vibe going on. A bit of blues thrown in there as well. So then, whatever happened to Home Before 10, I'm not 100% sure. You need to ask Morris or Niall or one of the other guys. Um, then they formed 2XL. And that was everybody with the exception of Mary Roach and Sinead Condon. Um, oh, Paul Mulhall. My God, I was getting to Paul. Paul, he was a drummer with... Go away. Paul, was he? And 2XL, yeah. yeah no yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant drummer as well, Paul is. Yeah, great drummer. Um, so what happened then? They were gigging around the place. I used to follow them around because I just loved... Absolutely loved what they, what they were doing. Then Paul decided to um, emigrate to Aussieland. Where he is now. And mm. Yeah, pretty much. And um, so when he did that, um, Niall McCarthy came up to me and he says, look, we're looking for a drummer. Is there any chance you'd join us? And I says, yeah, delighted. I was at, over the moon. It's where I wanted to be at that point in time, you know. Yeah. So played a load of gigs, um, but when I joined, they changed the band. We were down in Phil Carroll's actually. We were practicing down in the Dennis Lacey Hall. And we went up to Phil Carroll's and we had one or two pints, let's say. <laughs> and um, we were just nattering away and things we were going to be doing, et cetera, et cetera. And I think it was, we were trying to come up with a name for the band. And Benny Cavanagh turned around. I think nearly sure it was Benny. If you notice, there's a stairs in Phil Carroll's. There is. And uh, yeah. So on the stairs is a boomerang. Right. And it was as simple as Benny says, why don't we just call ourselves boomerang staircase? No. And someone said, that's thick. And someone said, yeah, why not? So it stuck. <laughs> that was it. So that story is true then. I've heard quite a few. Yeah. Or, or that story many times mentions it is true. Boomerang yep. on the staircase in Phil Carroll's. Yeah. It, it is. It is what it says, basically. Yeah, yeah. 
But we had we had great great times. Uh, played pretty much a lot, a lot around uh, Ireland. Um, I'll give you a little a little story. We we're playing in um, Galway mm. in Monroe's in Galway, and um, we all got up there and had a couple of pints and set up, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So we're playing away anyway, and at near towards the end of the gig, we're playing, and I was saying, I know these people. These people walked in as him. No, it couldn't be. So it was the cast of the commitments came in. You're joking. I'm not. No, no. <laughs> so with that, anyway, there was one reason why they were coming in and one reason only. Um, so the drummer came up to me at the end of the gig and he says, listen, really stuck. Is there any chance I can borrow your bass drum pedal? And I says, yeah, no problem. It was, it was, it was him. Andrew Strong wasn't there. It was Rob Strong. Okay. singing at the time, I think, from Andrew wasn't there. That's the dad, isn't it, Rob? And Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, both of them came up, and I says, yeah, no problem, under one condition. And Rob Strong said, what? Uh, get us into the gig for nothing, all the band. I says, yeah, done deal, done. <laughs> so we went off to the gig. It was brilliant. Absolutely. Great night. Really good night. So yeah. I have to say then, Boomerang Staircase are doing quite well, travelling the country, performing in mm. various venues. Yeah, we were. I mean, we down in Waterford, we used to get a brilliant reception in Waterford. We used to play in the Bridge Bar mm. at the hotel, should I say, the Bridge Hotel. Um, then in Dublin, we done. We didn't play in Dublin as such, but we recorded the the mini EP in Dublin, which is a great crack. Um, then what happened after that? Um, then Niall moved away. He moved off to Dublin. And then the band kind of slowly kind of didn't play as much. Right. So then John Cochran came on the scene. Oh, yeah, I know John. Yep. Mm. And uh, because Kieran, I think Kieran, did Kieran leave? He didn't leave. He just kind of phased himself out, the sly dog. And um, uh, John started singing with us, which was great. It was, it was a good injection of new blood and new enthusiasm. So we played a load of gigs, uh, as we said, you know, all over the place. So it's really great times, great memories, I have to admit. Really, really good memories. Any dodgy gigs that you couldn't wait to get out of, Andrew? Um, do you know something? I don't think so. We played in Kilmanahan a few times, and that was, God, it was brilliant. That was a really, really, it's a real blues um, pub. Yeah. Down in Kilmanahan. That hidden in, wasn't and it? We, yeah. Yeah. Hidden. Yeah. That's right. And uh, we did. We had, we had a lot of blues songs in our set, and the bikers used to love it. And we we used to we were buzzing mad. Honestly, we really were. Um, but yeah, no, nothing. Thankfully, we didn't get any <laughs> bottles, or we didn't need chicken wire or anything like that. You know, so. like that film Roadhouse. So we to do something right. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And how long a boomerang but, together um, for? Oh, I knew you were going to ask that. Yeah, I oh, had to ask God. that. It sounds like a couple of years at um, least. Anyway. Yeah, it was. It was, I think, memory. I suspect it was about from the 90s until, I'd say about eight years, I'd say, Mark. Mm. I suspect, yeah. That's a good old... I could be wrong. Yeah. I could be wrong, but it was it was, it was was a bit of a stint. I remember you stint. um coming in to visit me in Shoreland Radio, I think it was. And... That's correct. 
in UK. That's that's when that's when we were babies, Mark. It was, and I had hair anyway. I don't know about you, mate, but uh, I, I I'd hair back then. Um, but listen, it's it's great to hear those stories about boomerang staircase. It really is because I'm always hearing them, but yet to have someone on to talk about them. Um, I was yeah. trying to get hold of Morris to come on. I think I, I you know, his his name's being kind of put out there. <laughs> but maybe I he will. You need, need a bit. You need a bit, bit of persuasion. <laughs> and and after Boomerang, then you know, finished up. Did you join another band, or what did you do? Um, in between times, I did. Niall formed a band up in Dublin, mm. and and uh, what were they called again? God, it's just awful, honestly. Um, the Accord. Right, and he needed he needed a drummer for he was doing um, like a recording a couple of tracks, mm. so um, I did some um, studio stuff from there. Um, then I helped out when uh, drummers were weren't available. Let's say like with the Will Nots, uh, that was Paulie Grant, right, um, Andrew Keane, and all them. So I helped them out a few times. When yeah. I mention you, they all, everyone says, "Oh my God, great drummer." So you've oh, got, you got a great reputation well, out there. You really have. Well, thank you very much. And did, I don't think so, to be quite honest. Ah, go away now, Andrew. Come on. And um, did Boomerang, you, you said you'd done a bit of recording, didn't you? Mm. Yeah, yeah. You brought out an EP? Yeah. Uh, we did. We did put out an EP. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was great. You know, totally 80s kind of yeah. tracks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and that's all we did. After that, we didn't do much else. Where are those recordings today, Andrew? Do you know something, Mark? I would love to get my hands on the reel-to-reels because that's what they were recorded on. They were recorded on a reel-to-reel. Fantastic. Um, yeah, the, the reel-to-reels are gone because otherwise I would remaster them. I'd remix them and remaster them. But I can't do it now because they're not there. Um, I did master all the other, the older tracks yeah. from the album. Um, so I have them, but the mixing, I can't do anything with the mixing because it's, it's mixed. You must also yeah. be um, very proud of Eve, your daughter. Extremely proud of her. Extremely What a proud. voice she that lady really, has. Really well. She does. She does, I have to admit, yeah. Really, really yeah. has. And good to keep it in the family yeah. too, isn't it? Yeah, well, she gets it from both sides, to be fair. So, mm. yeah, yeah. Now, let's so, take yeah, you back. You grew up, am I right, in San Oliver Plunker Terrace? I did. I did indeed. Great times back then. Really good times. What was it's it funny. like? Hmm. Oh, it was, it's not like kids of, of today, and you probably heard this on, hmm. you know, other people talking on the podcast. Um, you'd go out, let's say, on a Friday evening, let's say, when you finish your homework, um, let's say at what, four o'clock. Yeah. And you come back in for your tea at six o'clock. You go back out again, and you won't you won't you won't come back in until let's say ten o'clock, eleven o'clock. Yeah. On a Saturday, then you'd be out from let's say nine o'clock in the morning until eleven o'clock at night, ten o'clock at night. You know, and there was no computers or anything back then, obviously. But great times, really good times. And what were you so guys doing then? What What were you doing then? Obviously, you know. Oh sure, rounders and. All this kind of thing, you know, just being up to up to mischief, and <laughs> literally being up to mischief. I spent I spent a lot of my time down in Land Street. Yeah, and um, uh, you have Doctor Callan's Field there, mm. and there's a big tree 
just beside the back wall at the top of Ann Street. And uh, there was a swing there. So we used to have competitions nearly every week. Um, how many people could we fit on a swing? <laughs> you know, we got a lot on. I think at one point there was like, I'm not exaggerating, there was about 17 or 18 kids on the swing. And one of those days I was on the bottom and my legs went pure numb because everybody was sitting on top of you. <laughs> but great, great fun. And then in the, in the in Dr. Callan's field getting chased by the mad cows, it was just, you know, <laughs> yeah. Happy days, Mark, happy days. And Andrew, where did, yeah. the, where did the interest in music come from then with you? Um, from a very early age, when I was really young, my mum, she used to say that the only way I would go to sleep was uh, when she used to put the radio on beside me. That's the only way I'd go to sleep. Oh. And I always had a radio on beside me. Wow. Even now, going to sleep, I'll have a radio on beside me. Um, my mum, she always, anytime she was in cooking or whatever, she was always singing and yeah. humming, whatever, you know. Um, my dad then, he tried to make an effort of playing the mouth organ. God, like, um, my, own, like my own dad. You'd know they were brothers, yeah, so, think, wouldn't you? <laughs> yes, uh-huh, exactly, exactly. So I think, yeah, from a very, very, I mean, from, I can't even remember back. Yeah. My first memory was of, my mum singing, I'll be quite honest, you mm. know. Um, so, yeah, I think that's where it all stemmed from. Um, then I, where was I? I think it was downtown in Clonmel. I was very, very young. And there was somebody playing a guitar on the street, probably make, trying to make ends meet or whatever the case may be. Mm. And I couldn't get over the sound of the, the guitar. So... When I was in primary school, I got guitar lessons from a lovely uh, brother, Kelleher. Absolutely lovely, lovely, lovely guy. He's, um, he left the brotherhood and he's married with mm. kids now. But a lovely, lovely man. And um, he kind of really enforced, you know, to learn an instrument. And yeah. he always said to me, he says, look, he says, there's one thing, if you can play guitar, you'll never, ever go hungry. Never. And he's he's right. He's spot on, you know. But so that's where it basically stems from. What about the drums then? Um, <laughs> the drums. Okay, so I started off playing bass guitar, um, bass guitar and a bit of guitar as well. Mm. And um, then when Absent Without Leave was fully formed, um, Eugene wanted to play bass. Eugene Ryan. Mm. And I said, right, okay, that's fine. So I said, right, I'll play the drums. So that's what I did. Started the drums and away I went. Went on from there. Mm, yeah, yeah. And when practicing to U2 records and um, Pink Floyd, everything and anything from uh, Jimi Hendrix, a lot. Oh, fantastic. Wow. Mm. That's, that's, that's amazing. And what about work-wise? Mm. Did you work in town at all before you went away? I did. I did. I started, uh, I used to work in Quinsworth um, after school. When it was Quinsworth? <laughs> yes, yes, when it was Quinsworth. So the old um, yellow pack then, thing, you know, remember that, the, the old yellow pack, that really took off, didn't no, it? That, uh, no, that was, was that not Five Star, was it? When it was, when it was Five Star. I thought that was Quinsworth. It wasn't Quinsworth then? Oh, could be. Maybe, I you know something, Mark. Mm. I can't, either or. Anyway. Yeah. 
Um, so started there, and um, that's how I bought, bought my first uh, bass guitar. Actually, was um, I was on emergency tax, and I got the emergency tax back, and I went straight down to um, Mary down in what's the street? Nelson Street, is it? Mary? Oh God, I can't think of her name. The only music shop. I know the one you're on about. Yeah. Fun. Yep. Bought my first guitar there, a Roxon, a lovely white Roxon guitar. Beautiful. Anyway, so after there, I went to, um, I was working in Dick Beatty's. Dick Beatty's bar. Yep. Yeah. Used to be beside uh, where Boots is now. That's right. Actually. And I had some great times there. Oh, I could tell you stories, but I won't even go into it. Oh, you see, I hate when um, people say that. <laughs> no, you know, no. That's it's, another it's, podcast. It's like, it, it, well, it, it'll have to be Not for broadcast. <laughs> no, not for broadcast. It's like what goes on tour stays on tour. Oh, story, and it's, tr- it's, it's a true story. What barman here is just, you know, people just pour their hearts out. Yeah, well, I believe know. that. Yeah. Mm. So I worked there for quite a while. Then I was made a bar manager there, mm. uh, which is great. And then, God rest his soul, um, Dick, he um, he died. Mm-hmm. So they sold the pub. And when they did, I applied for a job down in Cheezer. Oh, yeah. In Waterford Road. So I was working down there. And so was Tommy, actually. Tommy was working down there as well, my brother. Yeah. Um, so worked down there for a number of years. Great, great times down there as well. Really good times. Um, really good place to work. I had Noel and Fanning on the really- podcast, Andrew, and uh, Noel. Did Noel, you? Yeah, the very, at the very beginning, and, and Noel spoke about Cheezers and how you know how great a company they were, even putting on a bus for their employees, which I thought was a great That's idea. Right. Make That's sure you right. don't miss work. Right. You can't get into work. Yeah. The bus is outside. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Oh, I forgot about that. Thankfully, I didn't have to. I didn't have to, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, they were great times. And Mr. Breel, um, he was a lovely, lovely man. Mm. Um, he was he was the manager there, and uh, uh, Ralph Boner as well. Were you there till the end then? I I was there till the end. Yeah. I was. It was sad when that um, closed. Oh well, yeah, it was very very sad. Really really odd, you know, especially because we were left around to the last, kind of tidying up all the, the odds and ends. Oh wow! And to have the place, it was it was mm. it was like a ghost town. Yeah, you know. I heard there were some great social nights out as well. Oh man! Again, that's another podcast, Mark. Isn't it really? <laughs> <laughs> that we can't talk about. <laughs> no, no. It, it was a great. It was a great, there were some great nights out. You know, really, really uh. good nights out. Um, so, um, so from there, um, for I it, it kind of literally folded. Mm. I applied for a job down in Waterford, um, KDW, I think it was called. Um, doing a similar role um, as a, you know, working with textiles and a cutter and whatnot. Um, so I stayed there for a couple of years and um, then I applied for a job up in Flancare. Oh, yeah. And uh, I was working on the floor in Flancare. And then I applied for a job as a van driver. Mm. Got the van driver. Then I applied for a job as a rigid driver. Mm. Uh, went for the tests, got the rigid license. 
Fantastic. And did that. Yeah. And then I went on and I did the Arctic. Course. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I was driving an Arctic for a number of years as well. So then, yeah, I was working there until 2013, I think. And then I, I, I left, basically came over to the UK. And here we are. And the rest is history. Come full circle. Um, yeah. Anything you miss about home, town, obviously apart from family? Um, yeah, family and friends. Um, do you get over I much do at all? Miss... Do you get home much? I do, yeah. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I get home, I try to get home as much as I can. Yeah. Um, but with work, um, work is, is, is just really busy. Mm. Um, especially now that there's uh, I have a, another 67 brand new properties being built. So I'm. You're busy there um, as well. Yes, yeah, it's, 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 it's mental busy. You haven't, really resorted, anyway. you haven't resorted to wearing a kilt and eating haggis yet, then, have you? I, I, I well, I, I have wore, I'll tell you, I've, <laughs> I've gone to the um, garden party. With a couple of friends, <laughs> I wore. It was a, a stonking hot day, no Mark, honest to God. I wore a kilt, um, just to be in the theme for, you know, being in Scotland, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. This yeah. is in Edinburgh, right. in Hollywood, and um, I will not wear a kilt again because, oh my God, it was so hot. Well, apart from that, Andrew, Had- I mean, you know, did you wear it the proper way or not? You know what I'm getting at here. I do. Um, no, I didn't. All right. So no. you kept the underwear no. on. <laughs> I did. I did. <laughs> and it's just as well. It's just as well I did, Mark. Because it was a windy day. day. No, no, it wasn't. It was, it was really warm. It was really, really warm. But on that day, yeah. Um, and another colleague that I used to work with, um, we were called out. And we met the Queen. <laughs> um, yes. So we had a chat with the Queen, which is very, very funny. I was telling the Queen that um, uh, my mother, she would love to go down to see her in Cork. She mm. was asking, you know, where I was from and all that kind of thing. Mm. And she was lovely. She was a lovely, lovely person. I said that. Um, and you I f- think she did change the mindset of a lot of Irish people, to be quite honest, when she visited Ireland. And do you find you got to watch your P's and Q's when you speak to royalty. And were you nervous about meeting the Queen? Strangely enough, I wasn't. Yeah. Um, my other colleagues, they were, I suppose they were brought up, you know, right. with the monarchy as such. Yeah. And us in Ireland weren't, you know. So, no, I wasn't. No, no. I'm more nervous talking to you now than <laughs> I was with, you know, because I don't, I don't know what's going to come out of your mouth next, basically, Mark. Well, you're okay, Cars. You're okay, because we're near the end. You'll be glad to know. <laughs> You'd be glad to know. One final question for you, and I've really enjoyed this chat. I, I thoroughly have. Thank you again. Do you have a favourite part of Clonmel? Um, I do, actually. Mm. And I used to drive drive there, even with Eve. Mm. Um, uh, the mountain road, I love the mountain road. Yeah, and I love, do you know, the back of Manila, when you're driving along the back of Manila, you can smell the, um, it's like the wild garlic. Mm. And it's just... It's a nice little drive, but up the mountain road as well, up by the golf links. Really, really lovely drive. Really peaceful, peaceful area. It is gorgeous, yeah. isn't it, up there? It really, really is, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, listen, um, it's been an absolute pleasure. Wasn't that bad now, was it? It was like going to the it dentist. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you know if the filling is okay. okay? <laughs> 
Listen, you take care of yourself. Lovely to talk to you, as always. And when you're over next time, give us a shout and we'll go down to Fields for a drink. How's that? Sounds like a plan, Mark. All right. Lovely to talk to you. Andrew Whelan, thank you very much. Take care, Mark. Take care. And after we did the interview, Andrew sent on some boomerang staircase. some nice memories for you boomerang staircase and next time you're in Phil Carroll's and you're looking up at the stairs and that boomerang just remember that is how they got their name thank you again Andrew so there we have it that is the Clonmel podcast for this Friday the 16th of February if you'd like to get in contact you can email the Clonmel podcast at gmail.com you'll find us on Facebook Instagram and also X and of course on the website www.theclonmelpodcast.com thank you so much for listening have a lovely week and I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Clonmel Podcast with Mark Whelan. Produced by West 10 Audio Productions. Your town, your podcast.